Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On today. Today, we are going to clean up from the inside out. We are talking to the ingredient guru. Her name is Mira Desi. And what we want to do this week is just do one thing. Just look at one of the packaged foods you eat. I don't know. Maybe you make mac and cheese, or maybe you get protein bars, or maybe you'll pick up a bag of chips. Just one thing. Put on your glasses, flip it over, read the ingredients. In just one area of your life. In just one of the things that you eat, read the ingredients on one thing. That's our intention for the week. If I was going to add another intention, it would be that you realize that you are a precious human life. And when you clean up your diet and you eat living greens and drink clean water often, everything gets better. But first, you have to realize you're worth it. You have to realize that your precious life is important on this planet. I just had this big aha the other day. It hit me that every day we get to, in every moment, contribute to the goodness of the world. That's no small thing. We've got work to do, right? Let's start by contributing to our own goodness and our own well-being by cleaning up our diet. You know, it was Halloween time and everybody's tossing around the candies and I love a good almond joy, but I didn't have one and I didn't feel deprived. It's like I can have an almond joy anytime and I probably will like Christmas time or whatever, but I'd rather my body feel good with a healthier snack. That's what I chose. I chose feeling good. And it takes a little practice for it to become a habit. I say things when people offer me treats. I say, oh no, I don't have casual sugar. That's what I say. I say I don't have casual sugar. I'll eat the piece of pie or whatever on Thanksgiving, but I want my brain and my belly to be clear so I feed it really simple, good food most of the time. I bet you have a story about your health. I bet you have a story about your digestion and what makes you feel good and what you can't eat and what you shouldn't eat but you eat anyway. I bet you have a story. We're going to hear Mira's story too. And we have to be vigilant and educate ourselves because there's an entire industry out there trying to trick us. Mira Desi is the ingredient guru. You know, I think the most important thing people need to keep in mind is that food producers will do anything and everything to convince you to buy their product. That is, after all, how they make their money. So that includes front of package labeling, using healthy buzzwords, using colors and images that appeal to us. And the best way that we can take back control of our food is to learn to flip the package around and read what's actually in it. Right. And that requires often bringing your glasses to the grocery store. Yes. (laughs) So let's start with this. What are some of these buzzwords that they write on the front of packages that we should be aware of? Maybe they don't mean what they say. You know, one of the big ones is natural, Mm -hmm. which means absolutely nothing. Except when it comes to meat, it means there's no added antibiotics or hormones. But natural is a catch-all term that, that has no clear definition. Another one is the word healthy. And then they love to find the buzzwords based on whatever they think we're interested in. Mm -hmm. So years ago, everybody was all about fiber and whole grains. So they would tell you how many whole grains there were, how many grams of fiber. Now everybody's all about protein. So there's protein in everything. And they tell you how much is in there. And a lot of people respond to that because they are looking for sources of protein and don't realize that 
perhaps some of the things that they're adding may not be a great choice. Mira, it's almost embarrassing as a human on the planet that we are so easily manipulated. And why is it we were into fiber a few years ago and now we're into protein? That feels like a manipulation too. Well, first of all, I want to start by saying it may feel embarrassing, but it shouldn't be because food producers pay literally tens of millions of dollars to figure out the psychology behind how to get our attention. So we are just surrounded by messaging, much of it subconscious, and it takes a lot of effort to stop and think about what's going on. Okay, good. Thank you. You do make me feel better. <laughs> so, But they're messing with us, right? Big industries are messing with our minds to get us to do what they want us to do. They are, and they're truthfully responding to a lot of changes that happen over the years as well. Well, when we see governmental recommendations that come out and say, hey, people aren't getting enough probiotics or fiber or things that are geared towards health and the food producers go, hmm, we need to figure out how to sell this product. I have a joke, you know, back when they were doing probiotics, my thing was if they could, and this is with apologies to Dave Barry who said it first, but Mm -hmm. if they could figure out how to put probiotics in shoe polish and make it sell more, (laughs) they would. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. I just saw an ad last night. I think it was in the new Oprah magazine and it was about kombucha in a facial product. Well, believe it or not, kombucha is actually great for your face, especially the SCOBY, the thing that's used for it, because there's wonderful, healthy, healthy bacteria and cultures in there that are really good for, kombucha is actually good for us inside and out. Wow, 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 wow. So the SCOBY, that bacterial pod that makes the kombucha, it can get through your, your skin? Part of it is how it conditions your skin when you put it on because it's it's good for balancing, you know, the, the cultures of our skin. We have all these different microbiomes, and right now a lot of the attention is on our gut microbiome, mm-hmm. but... When I talk with my colleagues who all have different interesting areas of study, there is an oral microbiome, there is a skin microbiome, we even have an eye microbiome, like we just have all these little mini microbiomes that have their own healthy balance and when we eat well and we nourish our bodies, our little microbiomes are all in sync. Yeah, now there's an aura, did you say aura microbiome? Oral. Oh, oral, oral. That's, that makes sense, an oral microbiome, and I've heard that sometimes allergy medications can affect your oral microbiome, okay, and a microbiome in your eye, that makes yeah. sense too. It's like it's its own community, and it needs to have its own uh, conditions for us to operate our eyes well, that makes sense. And uh, I'm all about the gut microbiome now. All about it, all about it. Now, let me ask you this. Your area of ingredients, does it go beyond food and say into some skincare products and such? It does, actually. I have a book coming out in a few months called Love Green Living that talks about the ingredients found in things like personal care products and cleaning products. Love Green Living, is that it? That's the name of the book, yes. Because I have found out that I've been putting things on my skin that my skin doesn't even absorb. Yeah. That's so silly. And that grown people make this 
and and market it to me, knowing that the ingredient that they're telling me about doesn't even penetrate my skin? You know, it's fascinating that you should say that. I have something called the Healthy Readers Book Club, and every year we read 10 wonderful books about health, wellness, nutrition, the environment, whatever. And last year we read a book called Clean by James Hamblin, and it talks about how the skincare producers really lead us down a different path than what we may need. Because again, at the end of the day, they may be trying to create a product for a specific need or a specific population, but their primary purpose is to make money. And so the more they can sell, the better they do. Unfortunately, in a lot of cases, that can be tied to some form of manipulation, you know. And so that's where we have to learn to read the label, understand what we're putting on our skin, what we're putting in our mouth, what's in our environment, and then from there, we can begin to make choices that really reflect how we want to be living our lives. We're talking to Mira Desi, the ingredient guru. So when I'm in the grocery store and say, I don't know, say I'm buying crackers, you know, it's holiday (laughs) time is coming, cheese and crackers time, right? When I flip over the box, what ingredient do I not want to see in, say, my crackers? Sure. I'm so glad you asked. There are a few things that I think are very simple and very easy for people to learn to avoid. One is anything with a number. Numbers usually indicate artificial colors. They can also indicate some preservatives, such as polysorbate 80 or something like that. So that's definitely one. If you're buying crackers, you definitely want to try to avoid sugar. Food producers tend to put a lot of sugar in things because we're attracted to sugar. Biologically, we're programmed to seek it out, so they put it in a lot of things, even things that aren't sweet. So that's another biggie. Anything with a number and any extra sugar. What is polysorbate 80? It's a preservative. One of many. (laughs) It's bad news? Yeah. Anything with a number essentially means that it was created in a lab. Mm -hmm. and it's a formulation of some kind. And while I know that there are reasons to sometimes have preservatives, there are non-chemical versions of preservatives that can do a lot of good things. You know, a long time ago, we didn't have polysorbate 80, and somehow we managed to survive as a species, and that's because they used things like vinegar and sugar and salt as preserving agents. What is a good preservative if there is such a thing that we could see on a package and, and be okay with? And that's where I really encourage people to really look at and understand the ingredients. You know, one of my my rules for healthy grocery shopping is simply know what your ingredients are. And if you look at a package and you don't know what something is, consider waiting till you get home and you can look it up and then deciding if you want to eat it or not. Because the list is so long, it would be really hard to go through on the radio. Now, what about the fact that there are people who have spent their whole life eating polysorbate 80? and eating chemicals that are made to preserve things and eating things that are filler ingredients and junk ingredients. I believe it's never too late to start. The sooner we clean up how we're feeding and nourishing ourselves and those we love, 
the better it is for our bodies. You know, the challenge is that for so many people, we think it's an all or nothing proposition, and it's really not. I, I think that any time we make a change that's geared towards health, our body will respond. And the goal, after all, is to nourish ourselves. So why do we want to put non-food things into our body? So say somebody has a junky diet and say they, they clean it up and they start eating healthier. What will they notice in their bodies? Great question. I'm so glad you asked that. For a lot of people that I work with, my client base tends to be a lot of people who have gut health issues. And so when we clean up the diet and we begin to add more real food and less of a lot of these chemicals and additives and not nourishing things that are often found in food, the gut gets better. So we don't have bloating or we don't have aches and pains in there or maybe we don't have reflux or we start pooping every day, which we're supposed to do. That's a possibility. There are also a lot of people who have have low-level aches and pains that they don't necessarily realize may be coming from what they're eating. We also have people sometimes who may have rashes or other things. Everybody's body is different. One of the things I love to encourage people to do is do a food journal. Start cleaning up your diet and for 30 days write down what you eat and how you feel and see what you notice. You'll be surprised. If I have a lousy diet and I have aches and pains, how did my lousy diet cause aches and pains? Great question. Part of it is about exposure. So I'm going to back up just a little bit and give you the Reader's Digest version of my story, how I became the ingredient guru. Prior to this, I was in a totally different field. I was a database administrator, and I started to get sick, and my system began to not do well. I had a lot of pain. I was having a lot of health issues. I wound up being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. As I learned that food was way more powerful than I thought and began to change my diet, my health began to change. Because I promise you, back at the beginning, when my system finally collapsed from all of this exposure, I was so ill, I could not walk up a flight of stairs without lying down on the landing and waiting to recover until I could crawl to bed. I got dizzy very easily with ulcerative colitis. Anybody listening who has this knows you have to know where a bathroom is within 25 steps at all times, and there are a whole bunch of other things going on. So over time, I changed my diet more and more and more. It actually led to me going back to school to become a nutrition educator and then writing my book, The Pantry Principle. But I will also share that food is incredibly powerful because my last colonoscopy, which was 16 years after my first one that diagnosed me, I was told I have no more symptoms of ulcerative colitis in my body. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful, Mira. That's wonderful. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> that, no, it really is wonderful. You know, it's it's because um, there's a lot of people suffering with their over their gut health, and, and this is a wonderful thing. So the exposure to the chemicals and the buildup of the chemicals or what the body has to do to dismiss the chemicals, that's what leads to the fatigue and the aches and pains? Again, everybody's body is different. So some of it is exposure. Some of it also is genetics. You know, there are some people who are simply going to be more 
their bodies are going to be more inclined towards having weakness in a particular area. There are also other factors that have to be taken into account. What's the rest of your lifestyle like? How active are you? How are you sleeping? Are you hydrating? So there's a lot of different pieces and parts that fall into it. But I maintain that nourishing our body, putting food in that actually feeds ourselves and helps the body to work the way it was designed goes a long way towards helping with a lot of different health issues. I'm not saying that everyone who has a chronic health issue will go into remission. I am saying even if you have a chronic health issue, I believe it is possible to live a better level of life than to be stuck because you're feeding your body, you know, Twinkies and Doritos. Although a good Dorito every now and then. (laughs) Uh, Mira Desi, I said to a friend the other day who struggles with mood situations, mood swings, I said, honey, Mm -hmm. you don't eat vegetables. How do you expect your brain and your body to communicate if you're not eating vegetables Vegetables are needed for your brain and body, your gut and your brain to talk to each other. Absolutely correct. Eat your vegetables, people. Let's go back to the Mira that was, what did you say, you were a data something or other? I was a database administrator, yeah. Okay, let's talk to her. Why was she so disconnected from the food she ate? Well, believe it or not, at that point in my life, my friends used to laughingly say to me, oh my gosh, you're the healthiest eater I know. We had a garden, we belonged to a CSA, I made quarts of applesauce and tomato sauce and canned our pickles and jams and all these things. I made our bread. I did all those things, but we still had crappy food in the house. You know, I bought my kids Captain Crunch and boxed mac and cheese and and those kinds of things. And I ate them too. Mm -hmm. And I came to learn and believe that I am one of those people that are classified as the chemical canaries. We're the ones who are quite simply much more sensitive to all of the stuff that they do to our food. Aha. Aha. So some people are just much more sensitive to the stuff in the food. And that's probably genetic, right? Probably. Yes, probably. However, I will maintain even those who think they're not having an issue when they begin to clean up their diet often discover that things get better for them too. So, for example, when I'm working with clients, many, many of my clients live in family units. And if it's the primary food preparer who I'm working with, they wind up saying to the rest of their family, we're just going to eat this way. I'm not making multiple meals. And then people start discovering that things are getting better for them, too. Mm-hmm. And so it's really powerful stuff. In my experience, when you clean up your food, it's not just physical. I found a mental clarity as well. Yes, there is a huge connection between the gut and the brain. Something like 80% of our neurotransmitters, our brain chemicals, are actually formed in the gut. They can't filter up to the brain if they're not getting what they need because we're eating real food. Okay, Mira, I want you to say that again. 80% of the... Neurotransmitters are formed in our gut. So those neurotransmitters, those are the chemicals that run our brain. And if we're not feeding our body nourishing foods, 
it doesn't have the resources that it needs to properly create those neurotransmitters. And then from there, they filter up to the brain and help us with mood and stability and sleep and all of those things. Mira Desi, the ingredient guru. All right, everybody wants to know. Everyone is leaning in. Tell us what you eat in a regular day. Well, it's different every day because I also believe you should never eat the same thing every day. But I will tell you what I had for dinner last night and what I had for breakfast this morning. Would that work? Yes. Okay. So for dinner last night, I had grilled chicken, a cauliflower rice pilaf, and some steamed veggies that were made up of beets, zucchini, and carrots and onion. For dessert last night, I had a pear with a couple of pieces of dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. My dark- <laughs> now, I have my dark chocolate every night. Is that okay? Oh, yeah. I oh, Believe me, I am all in favor of chocolate. I just think if you're going to eat it, you want to make sure it's the best quality possible. Mm-hmm. I will also say I know there are people who go, mood dark chocolate, because they're not used to it. My feeling is start somewhere around 55%. Mm-hmm. That's often not too dark for people who aren't used to it. And over time, you find yourself just getting darker and darker. I happen to really love a good 82% myself. There you go. There you go. 82% with the dark chocolate. Did you want to tell us any more about your diet? I was just going to tell you what I had for breakfast this morning. Please. (laughs) Two scrambled eggs with sautéed greens and tomato. Wonderful. And you say not to eat the same thing every day. That makes me a little nervous. Why can't I eat the same thing every day? (laughs) Great question. You know, as humans, we love routine. We also like the same 20 foods, so we just want to eat the ones we love. Part of the challenge is if we eat the exact same foods every day for an extended period of time, we can actually develop what's called a delayed hypersensitivity, a food intolerance. And that can cause all kinds of, quote-unquote, allergic-type reactions, bloating, rashes, sneezing, all those kinds of things. And so if we vary our diet and just try to have a little flexibility in the diet so we're not eating the same thing all the time, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that that really goes a long way towards helping our system. Oh, my goodness. This is brilliant. I never even thought of that. So if you eat the same thing, same thing, same thing every day, you could actually, like, become sensitive to it. Yes. There are actually blood tests you can do that will show. And frequently when I do those for my clients, I go over their results with them and they look at me and they go, but those those are my favorite foods. I eat them every day. I'm like, I know. (laughs) We're going to fix that. And down the road, we'll be able to add them back in. But for now, we need to get more variety into the diet. Oh, and I just want to say this, bouncing back to the dark chocolate, that's one of those places where manufacturers can really make some misleading statements on their package because uh, my husband does the food shopping and my husband gives me my piece of dark chocolate every night. And then one day I looked in the fridge because that's where we kept it. And I was like, honey, this says dark chocolate, but it is not. It was Mm. like make-believe dark chocolate and it was all like sugar and filler. So you say start at 55%. Right now, I think we're at 75%, but 82 seems seems doable. Yeah, and again, that's where taking back control and learning to build that habit of looking at the label goes a long way. And, and I also want to say, I don't want people to spend five hours at the grocery store examining every single label. Do it one category at a time. 
maybe, you know, it's your chocolate. You start looking at the label to find a couple different chocolates that you like, and then you're good. And then you move on to something else. So every single change that you make is one thing more than you were doing before. And we just do it one step at a time. Six months down the road, look back and see how far you've come. That's Miradesi, the ingredient guru. Pick one thing this week, just one thing, and check out the ingredients. Consider your beautiful brain and body. Your precious, beautiful brain and body deserve the highest nutrition available. Be good to yourself. Eat wonderful foods. Eat real foods. Read your ingredients. I know. I'm so jazzed up over this. It's like one of my favorite things to talk about. Follow Mira Desi and visit TheIngredientGuru.com. Coming up. We'll spend the weekend talking about all kinds of things. The Shine On Health and Happiness Weekend Retreat is February 17, 18, and 19 in Ossining at Mariondale Retreat Center. And I am over the moon to announce that I will be speaking at the Westchester Women's Summit in March, March 10th. Thrilled and overjoyed. My topic is public speaking. The working title is Public Speaking Stinks, But You Don't Have To. That may need a tweak or two. Casey'sPlace.com, let's keep in touch. Our thought for the day is from the Buddha, who said, The secret of health for both mind and body is not to mourn for the past and not to worry about the future, but to live the present moment wisely. Shine on. Shine on.